Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been blogging about the Orioles for more than a decade on CamdenChat.com and waiting for them to win the World Series for my whole life. Thanks for listening today. Let's talk some Orioles. It is now July the 7th, 2023, and what a great day it is with the Orioles now 51-35 and 35 on the season after bombing the absolute heck out of the New York Yankees by a 14-1 to 1 score on Thursday night to salvage a series split as bad as those first two games were, as grumpy as they all made it. They made all of us. The Orioles came back. They Got two wins out of the four-game series. That's really exactly what I think anyone could have hoped for as the series began. And sure enough, although it felt grim after Tuesday's game, they came back and did it. So again, they're 51 and 35. And last year when they won their 51st game, they were 51 and 49. Two years ago, when the Orioles won their 51st game, they were 51 and 106. So, yes, things are getting a little better. In fact, they're getting a lot better, and hopefully they will keep getting better still. And one way you know they're getting better still, at least in the short term, is that while the Orioles were winning on Thursday night, the Tampa Bay Rays lost for the fifth straight time. So the Orioles are now four games back in the American League East and only two games back in the loss column. They return to the same four games ahead of the New York Yankees that they were before this four-game series began, and the Orioles for the season are now 16-11 and 11 against AL East teams. And you know what? That's going to work as long as they can keep beating the other divisions at the clip that they've been doing so far. So how did they do it on Thursday night? Well, 
the biggest thing that they were able to do was to have an eight-hit third inning, which was the most hits that an Orioles team has recorded in a single inning since the first inning on August the 12th, 2017, against the Oakland Athletics in a game where, like last night, the Orioles recorded 20 hits. So how long ago was that? Well, Tim Beckham had four hits for the Orioles, Joey Rickard had three hits, and Dylan Bundy recorded 10 strikeouts over the course of the game. So, yeah, that was a completely different era of the Orioles. Really, that was two eras ago. It's been a long time. So the 14 runs are the most runs that the Orioles have scored this season. 20 hits, pretty good. It was nearly a shutout until they gave up a run in the ninth inning, which would have tied the record margin of victory for the Orioles against the Yankees, which was mentioned to Jim Palmer on the Masson broadcast. And after a little bit of prompting, he remembered that he was the pitcher the last time the Orioles beat the Yankees 14 to nothing in 1967. Remembered it was a complete game shutout, one hitter. He remembered exactly who on the Yankees got the one hit against him, what inning it happened, and that the batter was immediately erased by a double play. So Jim Palmer his freakish memory. I continue to be amazed by it. But as for Thursday night, Kyle Bradish, six scoreless innings, not quite a complete game one hitter, but still pretty darn good, lowering his season ERA to 3.32, his second straight win versus an AL East team. So that's enough, I think, to show that he has completely put that narrative that he cannot beat an AL East team to bed. Although certainly I hope he will be able to, as the season goes along, continue to stomp on that now dead narrative. In the game, Gunnar Henderson, four hits, including two home runs, now with 13 home runs on the season. He's continuing to try to stomp his way back into the American League Rookie of the Year voting. I think that he might be able to get there uh, if he can continue to play something like this for the rest of the season. Ryan O'Hearn, you know, we've talked about him being an unlikely contributor before. Three hits, four runs batted in in the game. Adam Frazier, three hits. Fresh call-up Colton Kowser was on base three times in the game without any hits. So, yeah, it was awesome because the Yankee fans started booing their own team. There were stun shots of Yankee fans in the stands after their team was dropping pop-ups. People, I didn't even notice this myself. I was too focused on how amazing it was, but... People on Camden chat were saying the Orioles shut off that freaking strikeout, or the, the Yankees shut off the freaking strikeout whistle after it became enough of a blowout. Like, I guess it would be a little bit ridiculous once you're losing by double-digit runs to play the whistle. Yeah, that's what happened. And, you know, Yankee fans on Twitter were posting numb tweets as if the Yankees are the 2018 Orioles. I mean, that's that's that gives me life. You know, it sustains me. It makes my heart grow three sizes because... That's what Yankee fans deserve. It's what the Yankees as a team deserve. And, you know, I I hope the Orioles can visit more of that pain on them as this good era of the Orioles continues. But yeah, Colton Kowser, he, uh, in this household, my in-laws were visiting and dubbed him with the nickname of Coco, which I think would be absolutely delightful in a Baltimore accent, have him be Coco. We'll see if that one catches on. But yeah, you know, I didn't expect the Orioles to call him up right now. 
It's clearly a different Mike Elias this year with how who he thinks are the top, top prospects are being handled. I mean, with Jordan Westberg, they added him to the team where there was a need in the infield as a number of infielders were slumping. And Westberg is not getting the Stowers or Ortiz treatment so far. Colton Kowser, Coco. I mean, there was less of a need in the outfield. Um, although I do have a small theory that maybe Austin Hayes would be on the injured list if he wasn't selected for the All-Star game because that would make him unable to play. So I think the Orioles are maybe letting him ride out the day-to-day. Maybe that helped prompt when they called up Kowser exactly right now, but I, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens. I, I don't think now that Kowser's here that they're going to send him right down. As some other people on Camden Chat noted, it seemed like Kowser was getting the real hype treatment They gave him a quote-unquote real number at number 17. He's not in the 60s. He's not in the 70s. They gave him a hype video about his getting called up. So it seems like they're planning to have him be up for good. We'll see. Maybe Mike Elias will do another swerve. But yeah, I mean, we got a a Colton Kowser-Jordan Westberg joint postgame on Wednesday after that win. Absolute mismatched buddy cop vibes. It's just fun stuff, like just a fun pair of Orioles, the kind of thing I don't think we've seen since Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope were here. Now, of course, uh, Colton Kowser and Jordan Westberg are buddies in a completely different way, but it seems like they are going to do that. And I hope that means they're both going to be Orioles for a long time and, you know, not have one of them be traded as the Orioles try and make more moves to improve the team. But yeah, I mean, Kowser, he's already been on base five times in two games. Jordan Westberg, a 901 OPS through nine games. It's great. It's just, it's amazing. It's wonderful. I'm having a lot of fun and I hope the fun continues. But yeah, I mean, where do the Orioles go from here? Well, literally in the short term, they're going to Minnesota because they've got three more games against the Twins before the All-Star break. They're going to need to do better than they did uh, in the home series against the Twins. And I think that's probably going to depend on the starting rotation We've just now had two great starts back-to-back from Dean Kramer and Kyle Bradish against the Yankees. That's good, but those guys are not going to pitch over the next three games before the All-Star break, so we're left with Tyler Wells, although he's still got a sub-one whip. I, I continue to be a little nervous. He's due for some regression. Kyle Gibson is really faltering a bit. We got Grayson Rodriguez now rocking about five starts in the minors. He's got double-digit strikeouts three times in those five games, only seven walks combined. Is that enough for them to bring him back? You know, I don't know. Are we going to see a trade later in the month? I feel like a broken record, but, uh, you know, it's all I can think about. One of the only things I can think about, uh, you know, who is expendable right now? Are the keepers anybody who's already on the MLB team, plus like Jackson Holiday? You know, is anyone now in the minors expendable? I don't know. I don't know. Mike Elias is just going to have to uh, show us whenever he makes a deal. You know, it could happen. Uh, we've seen trades happen as soon as, I mean, they've already started. Aldis Chapman got traded. We've seen Orioles, you know, in 2018, they dealt Manny Machado during the All-Star break. So theoretically, Elias could do his own uh, strike during the All-Star break. I, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's really on my mind. And I'm not the only one It's on my mind. As dipping into the mailbag today, got a message from listener Chris, who asked, is trading for middle relief, even if overpaying, the best approach? Chris's rationale was as follows. One, Michael Givens and Dylan Tate don't really seem like realistic 2023 options. Chris, I agree completely. Number two, non-rental starting pitching options aren't great in this market. Three, 
Grayson is pitching okay in Norfolk and could help the rotation. And four, in Orioles' losses, losing an inning 7-8 to eight when Cano and Bautista aren't pitching is a thing that seems like it's happening. And I, Chris, you know, I understand why the 7th and 8th inning runs is fresh in your memory because in the Monday and Tuesday losses to the Yankees, the Orioles gave up four runs combined in each of those games in the 7th and 8th innings. So that's not great. And not great either is one of the two guys you named, Yenier Cano, has allowed a 300 batting average to hitters since the beginning of June, although he's only given up two extra base hits in that time. And one of those was allowing a uh, a short porch cheap home run to a Yankees batter. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the, the bullpen probably could use some reinforcements because I don't think uh, that Givens and Tate are coming back. But I'm nervous about it because, you know, we know the cautionary tale. We are benefiting from that by having Cano on the team. The Twins acquiring Jorge Lopez from the Orioles last year. Lopez was pretty darn money in before that trade. And then he was due for regression and fell apart in a big way after the trade. I think that's going to be a big risk with any reliever the Orioles might acquire. So, yeah, and I mean... Here, so MLB Trade Rumors, uh, one of my favorite baseball websites, put out a top trade target list. And among the uh, the top relievers available on their top trade targets, we got Kansas City Royal Scott Barlow, who can also be controlled for the 2024 season, New York Met David Robertson, the former Yankee, and another New York Met Brooks Raley. And those are the three best relievers they've got listed. So Scott Barlow... He's got a 2.30 ERA over 140 games in the past two seasons before this, but this year he's rocking a 4.06 ERA and is walking batters at a 4.4 per nine inning clip. Not great, and that's the best guy on the list, probably because of his 2021-2022 track record, but, you know, you don't want to trade an Orioles prospect for the guy's track record from the past two years when he's got a different track record this year, right? Um... David Robertson, he's got a 1.88 ERA this year, maybe due for some regression with a 3.32 fielding independent pitching. Although if you look at his StatCast page, just uh, look on a search engine of your choice, type in MLB StatCast David Robertson. It's a lot of red, and red on StatCast is good. So, you know, maybe he's a target. He's getting paid $10 million total this season and is a free agent after this season. So, yeah, maybe there's a guy the Orioles could get as a rental. Maybe that would kind of serve the function of, like, when they got Andrew Miller in 2014, hopefully giving up a less ultimately good prospect than Eduardo Rodriguez turned out to be in the uh, process. But, yeah, Um, Chris, I'm nervous about the idea of trading for a reliever, but I do think the Orioles need to do it, and I hope Mike Elias can uh, zero in on somebody that can pitch well for the Orioles. I'm going to be crossing my fingers and I'm going to be, you know, nervous about this until it happens. So if you've got a question or any thoughts you'd like to share for a future episode, you can email camdencastpod at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone who has written in so far, Chris and all the rest of you. Thank you very much. I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So for our second half, we're going to dive back in like we did on Wednesday to a little mini draft preview as day one of the draft where they will pick uh, the first and second rounds is going to be on Sunday. So that will be happening before we next speak. In the last episode, I covered a couple of players from high school ranks, Arjun Nimala and Bryce Eldridge, a sort of local kid. And this time I'm going to talk about a couple more who've been mentioned in mock drafts to the Orioles over the last couple of weeks. Maybe the Orioles will actually choose one of these four guys with the number 17 pick. Maybe not. One, shortstop Colin Houck, who is from Parkview High School in Georgia. And because my brain is forever poisoned with useless Orioles knowledge, I can tell you that is the same high school from which the Orioles once selected outfielder Josh Hart, who never made the majors. So better luck to Colin Houck. There is a better Parkview alum example in major leagues right now as Atlanta uh, first baseman Matt Olson, who is now guaranteed another $168 million than uh, it, on his current contract, uh, is also a Parkview alum. So there you go. Uh, we're also going to talk about University of Florida right-handed pitcher Hurston Waldrop, who I think sounds like he should be flying bomber missions alongside of Yasserian from Catch-22. But anyway, Colin Houck. He was mocked to the Orioles in the first uh, mock draft posted by Fangraphs in this draft season. That was posted on Thursday. Their notes about the Orioles' potential pick there is they think that University of Maryland shortstop Matt Shaw would be good value, but the Orioles' position player draft picks tend to have, quote, more overt physicality than Shaw, who is a little bowling ball, end quote. Um... I wouldn't mind having a bowling ball if he can hit home runs, but yeah, I don't know. That's what Fangraph said. In addition, teams behind the Orioles think that they're going to choose a high school shortstop. So yeah, Colin Houck. 
He is the number 24 prospect on Fangraph's ranking of that draft class, although he is higher on other lists that I've looked at. And the Fangraph's report on him is, quote, explosive hands and a projectable athletic frame spearhead Hawk's profile. Raw from a bat-to-ball standpoint and on defense, Hawk is a high upside development project, end quote. And the reason why he is raw is that he has been a football and baseball guy, and he's only now focusing exclusively on baseball. So in some ways, it's kind of similar to the uh, example of Arjun Nimala from the last episode, except in Nimala's case, he had the family ties that had him playing cricket until he got into high school. Um, But he's also on the more raw side. So... Those kinds of guys, they they aren't as certain, and that maybe is why they won't be drafted as high um, in the round in the first round as um, above the Orioles pick. And maybe maybe Hauk, maybe Nimmler, one of these other guys will end up sliding to seventeen, and then the Orioles will decide they are good value. Uh, I don't know. We will end up seeing what happens. Uh, I I do hope. I think it'll be fun if at least one of the four guys I talk about is who gets drafted. But you know, remember. I only know what I've read on the scouting reports. I don't bring any independent knowledge about these guys. I just, uh, I try to draft on the vibes from the assorted mainstream scouting reports and hope that it works out. Which brings us also to the pitcher, Hurston Waldrip, and uh, the MLB Pipeline writers had multiple mock drafts in a row where they kept sticking with Waldrip to the Orioles at number 17. I was skeptical of that because, you know, Mike Elias has not drafted a pitcher with his top draft picks in the in his Orioles tenure, which we've talked about before on this show. MLB Pipeline did also mention that the Orioles could be in the market for high school hitters like Nimola and Eldridge, who we talked about last time, and also a third baseman named Aiden Miller, also from Florida, and a catcher named Blake Mitchell. So these guys are, um, or excuse me, Waldrop is long gone before the Orioles get to pick on most of the other mock drafts other than the MLB pipeline ones that have had him. That included the Fangraphs one I just talked about because Fangraphs has Waldrop as their number six prospect in the draft class who would immediately go into the top 100 prospect list on that site. And they had him get selected uh, at number 11 to the Angels in their mock draft. So, yeah. As for MLB Pipeline, well, on Waldrop, he's listed at 6 feet 2 inches with 210 pounds. Quote, the right-hander has a legitimate three-pitch power mix with all three offerings having the potential to be at least above average. His fastball has been 95 to 99 miles per hour. They do note... While Waldrop is generally around the strike zone, some inconsistencies with his command and control cost him in his junior season, end quote. And to give you an idea of that, Waldrop issued 57 walks in 101.2 innings over his draft season, goodness, excuse me, with the uh, Florida Gators. So that's a lot of freaking walks. And, you know, if you've got a guy with that kind of command and then you bring him into the pro ranks, it's like... Pro batters are only going to be even better, right? So you're already hoping he can improve on what he's shown in college rather than bring what he's already got to the table. But what he's already got is that he also struck out 156 batters in that same time frame. So that is pretty darn good. And that was as, you know, the guy on an SEC team's staff, the, uh, you know, the Florida Gators made it to 
the title game, which they lost to the LSU Tigers, which had what could end up being the number one and number two picks in this draft class. So yeah, Hurston Waldrip, uh, I don't actually believe the Orioles are going to take a pitcher. I won't believe it until or unless it happens, but you know, maybe, maybe they'll do it. Maybe the, whatever intelligence led pipeline to have him be selected by the Orioles is going to bear fruit. We'll see. I will just say again, don't get too emotionally invested in the idea of the Orioles drafting any of these four guys or any other guy you may have taken a shine to because at most they're going to draft one of them and we don't know if he will ever make it to the Orioles. Whoever gets drafted at 17 could be like a trade piece two years down the road. It could be uh, that they end up whiffing on this pick because the number 17 pick, you're just not guaranteed an amazing success at that point. So yeah, we just gotta um, we gotta start rooting for whoever Mike Elias chooses and hope that he chooses well now that he's in the middle of the first round rather than the end. Okay, moving along from the draft, let's revisit one more prospect from the preseason top thirty composite list that I posted to CamdenChat.com. We're now on number eight's revisit, Kobe Mayo, another great Baltimore accent name, Kobe Mayo. Hon, I mean, you you can't get any better than that. That doesn't guarantee he's going to be a successful Oriole because if you could be, uh, if you could have a successful Orioles team entirely from players who have great Baltimore accent names, then the 2020 Orioles, the shortened season 2020 team, would have gone great places with Pedro Severino, Renato Nunez, Hanser Alberto, Rio Ruiz. Uh, Asher Wojo, Tommy Malone, Miguel Castro, you know, that would have been the team that would have gone somewhere and they didn't go anywhere. They went 25 and 35 and they finished in a spot where they could draft Colton Kowser, number five in the 2021 draft. So in the long run, I guess that worked out. So yeah, Baltimore accent team, uh, you cannot guarantee success with that, but Working in Mayo's favor is he's freshly named the Eastern League Prospect of the Month. That's the double-A level. He's at the Bowie Bay Sox in the month of June, a 340 average. He hit eight home runs just in June, drew 20 walks, 1.178 OPS for the month. All of these things led the Eastern League. So yeah, Mayo, he's age 21 at the double-A level. He is nearly three years younger than the average competition he is facing. Through 75 games, I did not check Thursday's box score before recording here, 315 batting average, 431 slugging percentage, excuse me, 431 on-base percentage, 623 slugging percentage. He's hit 17 home runs. All of that is freaking amazing. 89% of the time he's in the field this year, it's been at third base. So he hasn't played any right field, although as I said the last time we talked about him, many prospect writers seem to think that's his future home because he will be athletic enough to be rangy for fly balls and line drives, and he'll have an arm that's strong enough there. He maybe will not have the infield agility ultimately uh, to stick at third base, but for now he's there. He posted a 24% strikeout rate so far this season. That is slightly below the average for the Eastern League, only slightly. All batters in the league are striking out 24.3% of the time, so that's a respectable number. It's not great, but it's not horrible either. Um, why is he not at Norfolk yet? Well, probably that's because the Norfolk infield has Connor Norby, Joey Ortiz, and Cesar Prieto all there on a nightly basis. 
currently rehabbing Ryan Mountcastle playing at first base even. Heston Kerstad has been getting time at first base. So yeah, I mean, again, it feels like trades of some kind must be coming. It feels like one or more of these Norfolk infielders is maybe, quote unquote, the best case scenario of who's going to get traded if you don't want uh, one of the current big league prospects to get traded, if you don't want Mayo to get traded. I don't know when the trade's going to happen. I don't know who they'll trade for. I don't know who they're going to give up or if the person they acquire will be any good. It just it feels so inevitable. And right now, I am really excited about Kobe Mayo, not only because of the Baltimore accent thing, but that is part of it. And so I hope he's not one of the guys who gets traded, but the reality is he might be. And then we could only hope that the Orioles just get someone amazing, hopefully controlled beyond the 2023 season. If you're giving up a a guy like Mayo right now, I sure hope it's not just a rest of this season rental. And you know, uh, August 1st is the deadline. We'll, we'll see what happens between now and then, you know, I, None of us can see the future. Not even Mike Elias knows what's going to happen because, you know, he uh, he doesn't know what other teams are ultimately going to make available to him, what they will insist on having if they're going to trade the players that Elias really wants. You know, nobody knows. So we are just going to have to wait and see what happens. That is an unsatisfying thing for fans to have to contemplate. Patience is uh, it's tough to exercise for sports fans, and we're just going to have to do it. That's all I've got for today. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a rating or a review and tell an Orioles fan in your life about the show. Quick programming note, usually there would be an episode Monday morning, but I'm going to be very, very busy with draft stuff on Sunday night. So I'm going to try to record on Monday night for Tuesday morning. Hopefully I can talk about Adley Rutschman in the Home Run Derby on Monday night in addition to the first two days of the draft. So in between now and then, you can leave a comment for me on Camden Chat. In the comments there, you will find me with the name Eat More SK. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's.